the Lazy Sunday Book Club with me, Sophie, and I'm joined by Fee. Hello. And Annie. Hi. My voice cracked there a little bit. Oh, I didn't <laughs> notice that. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, until you pointed it out, at which point I was like, oh my God, yeah, it did. <laughs> Just make fun of me the whole episode of my voice mm. cracking. <laughs> mm, like a real bitch. Um... <laughs> so this week we're sort of trying something a little bit different for an episode. If you've listened to any of our much, much older podcasts when we were on a slightly different name, you may have, we did these episodes called Book News, where we'd sort of talk about news in the world of books. And then we do a little bit at the end on like the books that we were reading or the books that we've read. And so we thought we'd kind of do something a bit like that again, where we just talk about the books that we've been reading outside of our book club maybe just like a couple each uh just kind of our thoughts our feelings if anyone has a book they want to gush about a book they want to rant about a book that like severely let them down in some way you know (laughs) strong emotions for a sunday morning that kind of thing and then i know annie also wants to uh talk about the book uh nomination is it the shortlist what is it um it's the shortlist it's the shortlist okay Mm. yeah it's very exciting so, uh, I don't really know where to start. Do you guys have some books in mind? Or Annie, you look like you yeah. want to Yeah, Annie looks like she's ready <laughs> to pound. Well, no, because I, I thought, oh, God, I'm in a reading slump. I have nothing to talk about. Mm. So, and I've been doing, by the way, it, this is not going to be podcast worthy of discussion because it's what I've, I've said this so many times, but I'm doing what I always do in a reading slump and just listening to Terry Pratchett audiobooks. Mm-hmm. But I did think of two books that I've been reading uh, that I wanted to talk about. And okay. Fee, you'll like this. One is fiction and one is nonfiction. <gasps> a I feel non-fiction like Fee is a great advocate for nonfiction reads. It's an extremely predictable book for me. Uh, mm. The nonfiction one, which is what I'm going to start with, and then one of you can go. Okay. And it is a book called Shakespeare in a Divided America. Oh, that sounds interesting. It's really good. I've read it before, mm-hmm. um, but I have been rereading it so that I can photocopy student, uh, photocopy student, <laughs> photocopy, photocopy <laughs> sections to give to students. <laughs> All above board. My university has a photocopy lending license. Like I'm not, you know, illegally stealing this book. I promise. Um, but anyway, it is an incredible book if you like Shakespeare or you like American politics or American history or like ways in which um history and culture intersect it's an incredible book so do you guys remember in 2017 the Shakespeare in the Park Julius Caesar controversy no vaguely I do remember there being a controversy I don't remember what it was about so every year the I think they're like the New York Shakespeare Company or something like that puts on a free production of Shakespeare in the Park and in 2017 so the summer after the 2016 election in which Donald Trump was elected they've put on a Julius Caesar in which Julius Caesar was Donald Trump like very obviously had a blonde hair he had like Trump's weird hairstyle and a very long red tie and a wife with a Eastern European accent. Like very obviously Julius Caesar and, oh, I want to say Portia is his wife. Someone anyway, what a Trump and Melania. Yeah. I think Portia is Brutus's wife. Sorry. But anyway, the, the point is that um, as people might know, midway through Julius Caesar, 
the character Julius Caesar gets very brutally stabbed by a group of senators. Um, and that is what <sighs> happens. And in this production, therefore, they staged a brutal stabbing of Trump. Now, Julius Caesar as a whole is about how it doesn't work to kill fascists because fascism isn't one person so much as it is everyone who supported that one person. Like, one mm. fascist does not by themselves get into power, mm -hmm. um, which is an interesting thing to think about in the context of Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Yeah. But... A lot of conservatives took umbrage at the fact that this play was staging a violent stabbing of Donald Trump and came to disrupt and protest the show, which obviously was quite easy to do since I think you need tickets to Shakespeare in the Park, but it is free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they would interrupt in this sort of midway moment. And an academic called James Shapiro, I believe he's based at Harvard, although don't quote me on that was the like the academic consultant for this production of Julius Caesar and so he had a front row seat to this moment and he wrote this book and it's sort of in his introduction he talks about it and then he sort of goes through American history and examines sort of key historical moments in America through the lens of the Shakespeare plays that were being like of how they reacted to those Shakespeare to Shakespeare plays that were relevant mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So it looks at, I want to say, the American Civil War in the context of Othello mm. and, like, productions of Othello in the American Civil War. And then it sort of, you know, it goes through history. It's in chronological order. And it ends with, so there's the 1940s and thinking about Kiss Me Kate, which is an adaption of The Taming of the Shrew. Um, and then it talks about the 90s and the relationship between Twelfth Night and Shakespeare in Love and sort of how the gender politics of Twelfth Night were then translated into the gender politics of Shakespeare in Love, which, and then it sort of, it was well, really interesting because it takes Shakespeare in Love as a thing by itself. And then at the end, it sort of reminds you, and of course, remember that this was being overseen by Harvey Weinstein. Huh. Um, and then it finishes with sort of, given all this, what can we learn from this experience of the Donald Trump Julius Caesar and it's an amazing book it's thoroughly academic in its research but it then presents the information in it in a very sort of approachable friendly way it doesn't expect you to have any knowledge of either American history or Shakespeare but it is extremely interesting in the way that it discusses both um and it just, it's a fascinating portrait of the way in which a play can be charged by the moment in which it's performed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just an incredible book. I recommend it to all my students. And I, uh, yeah, and I recommended they read the section on Twelfth Night when we studied Twelfth Night. I like it because it really answers questions about like, you know, oh, why should we be performing Shakespeare? Well, because there are so many important conversations that we're having when we think about Shakespeare. And it's just a brilliantly written book. That does sound really interesting, actually. It's so cool. It's just like a really interesting concept. I feel like I heard about it when it came out. Oh, really? Yeah. I think so. I think I remember reading about it. I mean, I was still at university at the time. It probably came out around the time when I was actually studying Shakespeare. So that probably is maybe why it might have come up on a reading list or something. But yeah, I think I do remember kind of hearing mm. about it. It's not really interesting. Yeah, it would have come out in like 2018, 2019. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a copy if either of you want to borrow it. 
So a book that comes to mind where, where uh, when did I read it? I think it was in July, maybe a bit later, hmm. August. And it is called A True Crime Story by Joseph Knox. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Like I was like, it's one of those books that I was thinking about it for weeks afterwards. Just like mm-hmm. it blew my mind. I I can't tell you the whole like premises, but it's in the format of telling a true crime story. But now, you have you I know Annie's read Daisy Jones and the Six. Sophie, have you read Daisy Jones and the Six? No. So it's a similar kind of format. Hang on, is it a fiction or non-fiction book? Well, it is a fiction book, but it's told like it's non-fiction. Okay, okay. Which is actually, like, going into it, I was really confused because at points I was like, this feels like it actually happened. And, like, it's just crazy. I mean, the storyline, thank God it's fiction because (laughs) it would really freak me out if that was true. So the premise is is that um, this is the retelling of a true crime that happened to a 18 or 19 year old girl called Zoe Nolan. And she goes missing at Manchester University. Her parents are there to pick her up and her twin sister from Manchester University for winter vacation, vacation, (laughs) for, for, you know, the Christmas holidays. You've turned American. I've turned American. (laughs) (laughs) And they find that she goes missing she's just vanished without a trace and through interviewing we have this woman Evelyn who really this was her line of work and what she was going into and she was emailing Joseph Knox about the work she was going through to help her writing this book and then later there are circumstances in which actually it tells you within the first two pages that uh, something happens to Evelyn that she's died mm. mm-hmm. and that Joseph is taking o- has taken over to write this story and publish it. Okay. Now, is Joseph Knox also the real name of the author or is Joseph Knox just a character in the story? I believe that is the real name of the author. Okay. Oh, yeah. So say, that's so why it gets confusing. Snicket. No. It's really confusing. Mm. It is, but it, it's it's almost adds to why it's so great because yeah you are completely invested in this i mean every you can see how like widespread true crime is and how much people love it yeah yeah and to have it almost fictionalized in a book format i remember buying the book because it was like buy one get one half price and so this was my half this was my oh additional i'll just choose this one to get the Mm -hmm. deal yeah. And then the um uh the bookseller was like, Oh, this is amazing. This is like one of my favorites. This is so good. And I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, you know when you get that feeling like I've made a good choice. I'm very happy with myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the so person at the shop approves of my life choices. Yeah. And so it it'd been sitting on my um shelf for quite a while. And so I just picked it up. It was raining. I sat in a Gales cafe and I literally just couldn't stop reading the book I just couldn't stop it was incredible and it's also that you do get closure at the end of the book 
I'll just put that like mm. sometimes when you're watching true crime you don't get a lot of closure because you still don't know yeah. really what happened in this book because <laughs> real life you get everything you just get yeah. everything and you and like everything comes to a close and it's like oh my gosh okay Ooh. that's that does sound really cool Very as cool. you're talking about that I put it onto my list oh good oh well you can borrow it if you want or uh yeah oh it's just so good it's honestly one of the best books I've read this year. Okay, that sounds really interesting. So it's kind of funny actually because this episode is going to come up after the reading stumps episode, and I haven't re-listened to it, but I'm pretty sure that at the end of that episode, I mentioned something how I'd been in a reading slump, and my way of getting out of it was that I was going to try reading fantasy because I thought that would get that's just kind of a genre I go back to. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is precisely what I did. So the Two books Whoa. that I have to talk about are two very different fantasy books. Well, I also read, I also listened to the audiobook of um, Book Lovers, which was great. But, yeah. Like, we've all read it and we've talked about book it. Book Lovers? No, the, not the, Book Lovers. The new Emily Henry. No, the other one. Oh, Beach Read. Uh, Beach Read. Yes, mm-hmm. that one. Sorry. Oh. I However, first of all, did you like Beach Read? I did. It was really, really <laughs> oh, good. so good, isn't it? Was it was so good. Sorry. I, I discovered Beach Read before TikTok, so every time someone tells me they like Beach Read, I get a warm, fuzzy glow. Like, that's my book. It's like when you discover an artist before they go into the top 40. Yeah. And everybody that's starts how loving. I feel about Walk the Moon. <laughs> okay, we're not gonna see, we're not gonna get you started on that again. <laughs> We've heard that one before. <laughs> but like I mean, I think the thing about Beach Reads, I'm gonna get it right, was that I finished it and I was like I really really liked it but I feel like I really liked it for the concept mm. yeah and I'm not super interested in reading her other books like I don't think she's a bad author or anything I just think I really got into that book because I really liked yeah. the idea behind it and I kind of looked at some of her other books and was like uh nah. I'll pass for now I, I did like, really I like book say. lovers though okay book lovers I thought, I thought lovers... was better Okay. I haven't read Book Lovers yet, but I've oh, got okay. a copy. Maybe that one. But the reason I recommended Beach Read to you two so enthusiastically is because I think a lot of what it's about is writing. Yeah. And mm. the two of you are writers, you like writing. And so I was like, I, I think that would really speak to you. And I, I wouldn't have thought of you after reading People We Meet on Vacation. Like it was no. an amazing book and I really loved it. But like, I think, so I wouldn't, necessarily like I know you like romance but I wouldn't necessarily recommend that specific romance to you yeah you know like, what I mean because I borrowed beach reads from the library and they had yeah people we meet on vacation and I kind of looked at it and I read it and I was like nah mm. <laughs> I'm not a travel person I don't think I'm gonna enjoy- I'm not gonna read this one yeah and Fee I feel like you quite like more sort of complex twisted romances yeah. <laughs> Whereas people we meet on vacation is very sort of um, gentle. These people have feelings, but it's going to work out in a very rom-com kind of way. Like, whereas book lovers, I was not book lovers, beach read. I was like, you're both writers. You will love how this book thinks about writing and the writing process and what it mm. means to write and especially what me- it means to write as a woman. You know what? I know Emily Henry is a, a very much summer read author, you know? Yeah. It's all kind of always in the in the motions of yeah. the summer holidays. But yeah. I think her writing style and like her plots would work so well 
for Christmas time because oh god I, yeah mm-hmm, I'm definitely. such a sucker I do really like sometimes watching the Hallmark Christmas films I'm not gonna lie yeah. like I think she could write a good Hallmark Christmas romance I not like better than Hallmark, what I think but like yeah. those warm yeah. happy ending vibes I think yeah. she could but you know what the books of hers that I could say I haven't read them but I could see Yuffie liking quite a lot before she was a romance author she wrote YA fantasy novels oh did she yeah sorry that was Soph not Fee oh Although, sorry to be honest both of you would probably no no no, no. I said the wrong name I think <laughs> but to be honest both of you would probably like YA fantasy novels hmm and speaking of which, what fantasy have you been reading, Toph? Oh yeah, what? Sorry, I I said I started the tangent. I don't normally do that, but I got excited to talk about beach yeah. read. So my fault. So the first fantasy one that I mentioned, I mentioned, I think I mentioned that I read it in the last episode when we were talking about Dark Academia. Was I've I've started reading the Poppy War trilogy by RF. I'm gonna get her name right mm. one day. Kwong. Kwong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm really bad at like remembering how to pronounce names. I only know how to pronounce the characters in these names books because I was able to borrow the audiobook from the library. Ooh. Oh, yeah. yeah. I found the ebook first and then the audiobook also became available. And I realized I've been pronouncing people's names wrong, but I mean, what can you do? But yeah, anyway. Yeah. So that was useful. Audiobooks are great for fantasy. For my entire life, I called him Odysseus. A fair, fair <laughs> message. <laughs> but I mean. <laughs> It's just yeah but anyway that's why audiobooks are great for fantasy because they always have like names that you just you don't know how to pronounce and then you mm. do your best and then you find out that you're horribly wrong but anyway um i really really liked uh a poppy boy i thought it was really really good it's like it's very intense grim dark fantasy which i've not actually really read much of mm. and it is a lot like I was reading it on the way to work and I don't think I recommend that. I wouldn't start your day with war crimes. Don't do it. No. Yeah. yeah I no. can see it being on the heavy side. Yeah. yeah. Like, but it's re- if you're into sort of fantasy books that are about politics and very much based on real world kind of he- sort of that draw very heavily from what happens in the real world then i think you'll really really like these books it's Mm. very you can tell i think she's studied i think she has like a she's studied she's done chinese yeah yeah, she's an academic she's a she's she's an academic which is really interesting and you can really tell that she has studied like chinese history and and she's also under 30 i know i looked up her age and it's too close to it depresses me it depresses depresses me me so much i'm pretty sure she's a tenure track academic and an amazing published author yeah she's published four books it's like when you remember that malala was born in the same year as us and you're like oh my god is she the same age as us yeah malala is our age yeah she went to university after us because she had to take a couple of years off after, you know, getting a traumatic brain injury from fighting for the right to attend education. But, like, she's our age. Yeah, to be fair, though, I think with stuff like that, it's like we all have different lives, we all have different circumstances and different environments, and some people, yeah, will get fast-tracked into a great, you know, career and a great life or something. Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. you never know when that's gonna end or no, no not like that but you know what I mean like <laughs> you never know just 
how long that's going to go on when for. you're, you're going to get it huh pardon you never know when you're going to get your moment exactly and also look at child stars like it, it can be kind of traumatic if you get quite famous quite early on and like yeah. You, yeah. you do all the things you want to by the by the time you're 30 okay, okay now what now what mm-hmm. you know like yeah. life feels pretty like dreams are important and to keep striving towards your one like I think keep going and and look K the guy who did KFC Colonel Colonel Sanders wait was it Colonel Colonel Sanders yeah Yeah, he was 60 something when he started KFC do you think that was his dream in life I don't think it was his dream in life but it success found him (laughs) at a late age and I'm just saying you know we all have our marks KFC was bought by whoever owns it now the colonel Mm. apparently used to go in to the shops that he now no longer owned the kfc shops and quality test the gravy and complain when the gravy wasn't good enough (laughs) good for him good for him anyway rf kwan who reminds us all that we could have done so much more that's totally not the point of what you just said no that's completely the opposite of what (laughs) the point of what i'm trying to make no, but what she's done is written some incredibly impressive books, like for her. Yeah. Um, in in a very short space of time, I think she's published yeah. like four books. Um, and yeah, because there's Fable as well. Yeah, which is giant. Uh, God no. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> but anyway, back to uh, the beloved of many people. Yeah. Back to Poppy Wars. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck was I saying? We got very sidetracked again, and I can't remember what I was talking <laughs> about. Um, that you read, you were reading the Poppy Wars, but don't read war crimes on the way to work. Yeah, don't mm. do that. It's not fun. Yeah, that's um, why I no longer listen to the news on my walk-in. Mm. Yeah, good idea. Just yeah, it's yeah. it's it's very intense. But if you're into that kind of thing and you can sort of like handle that, then I like I totally recommend it. It adds a very. It's quite a. So the story of the first book is essentially Vin is like, not Vin. That's the other book I'm going to talk about. Rin. They have similar names. <laughs> Rin. Yeah, I've got the right one this time. She <laughs> lives in like a provincial town and um, she's sort of forced to work by her aunt. She's sort of beaten by them. She's very much kind of wants to get out of her the situation that she's in and the only way out is if she tests into this sort of elite um military academy in the capital Mm. so Mm. she studies like crazy and it's like insanely hard to get there the basically the easiest way to get there is if you're like very very rich and noble uh she Mm -hmm. studies mad hard manages to get into said military academy Basically, everyone is a dick to her because they're like, ooh, provincial peasant. We don't like that. But she discovers that she has essentially sort of like a lost power. She has the power of like shamanism, which is to connect with the gods. Um, And then about a year or so into the military training, uh, they get invaded by another country and everything, everything that was happening essentially just gets derailed and you get thrust headfirst into... An incredibly brutal war. And by the end of it, Ooh. just everyone's committing war crimes all the time. 
And it's Rin is a really interesting protagonist because she's sort of if you if you want a protagonist that isn't really like a good person that will do things that do whatever it takes to do what they think is right and mm. is highly motivated but not necessarily by the right things then you'll really like her as a character she's not sort of your typical sort of morally good kind of person mm. Mm. and we've only i feel like we've only just sort of tipped our toes into what the magic and how magic in this world works which is why i'm really excited to read the next couple books to sort of yeah learn more about that uh reminds me i need to set up my library account on my new phone because they emailed me like your download is available and i'm like okay but yeah it's it's a really really good start like the story itself feels relatively kind of quite standard fantasy but what really sets it apart is the setting she's put a lot of thought into the world into the culture into the people into its history and that Mm. really makes it feel like you're reading something very new and very different and yeah i Mm. totally recommend it okay back to annie yeah so my second book is one that um, I've been reading for a while and I haven't finished yet but I think I've mentioned it I've maybe mentioned it before in passing but I have got really into it recently again so I thought I'd sort of bring it up um, which is Dracula which I'm currently reading through the Dracula daily newsletter um, oh, yeah. which runs mm-hmm. from I think May to November mm-hmm. um, and the events of Dracula all take place sort of in in uh, sort of document diary narrative so it's diaries but it's also newspaper cl- clippings and letters and things like that but they're all dated and so you can rearrange them into chronological order and read them as they're supposed to be happening in the sort of chronological narrative of the book which is what this newsletter does it sends you the bits of Dracula that was supposed to be happening on this day um and obviously it runs to November, so it hasn't finished. But I feel like we're, we've just reached a place where we're really getting into the action of it. Mm-hmm. Dracula is a great book. It's really weird. It um, is. <laughs> and there are, it starts with the vibe of, like, no one in the book knows that they're in a vampire novel, but you do. And so it feels very much like, yeah, and then he threw a bulb of garlic out the window and told me I must not eat it. And I have no idea why kind of thing or you know and she got a mysterious illness and there's there's two pinprick holes on her neck i wonder what that could be from but it's really good it's really sort of gripping and yeah i didn't think that i would get this into dracula but i am getting into dracula um and i'm very excited to sort of say yes i've read it and another reason i bring it up is because based off the sort of success of this i think this is the second year that this newsletter has run May to November. Um, but this year it really became popular. And so they are currently, they just announced that they're going to do a book in which, um, because in the actual Dracula, the novel, things aren't entirely in chronological order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they are going to produce a book of Dracula ordered the, the way that the newsletter orders it. Um, because obviously Dracula is out of print, uh, not out of print, out of copyright. And so you can just, you know, use the material as you wish. Um, and I'm sort of excited for it. And I feel like that would be a really nice thing to have and dip in and out of. And in the meantime, I am, 
you know, two thirds of the way through Dracula or maybe three quarters and really loving it. Like it's a really exciting book and it's been a very nice way to read the book. Mm. Um, and I believe either this guy or someone else is at some point going to do, do the same thing for Herman Melville's Moby Dick, which is another book that I've never read, but I've always sort of wanted to. Um, and it turns out that newsletter is a great way to read a long classic novel that you never thought you'd get around to reading. I think it sounds like a really good way to read Dracula because I did read Dracula a while ago and I actually found Mm -hmm. it quite dry. Like, I remember Mm -hmm. not really enjoying it that much. Like, there were parts of it that you could get really into, but there were other parts that I just didn't find that gripping. And I wonder if just kind of, like, breaking it up and kind of not trying to read through the whole thing of this person's diary actually kind of makes it more engaging yeah and if it's a dry bit it's a very short dry bit you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's certainly not like you need to be invested in it it's like you know a short thing that you can just sort of skim yeah and there is of course an entire sub community on tumblr dedicated to reading dracula now which is quite fun I can't believe you're still on Tumblr. I mean, I love it because you're the only person that can tell me what's going on on Tumblr or like how it is. Yeah, no. So right now on Tumblr, everyone is reading Moby Dick. But I think they're reading it on Twitter as well. So you can find it there if you're not on Tumblr. Hmm. Wait, they're reading Moby Dick? No, they're reading Dracula. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I thought you said he hadn't started Moby Dick yet. Sorry. I tried to... I tried to Google and find the Moby Dick blog, but I can't find it. Okay. Um, Whale Weekly. That's what Whale the, Weekly. Um, the Moby Dick one is going to be called. Okay. Uh, starting in the winter. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that will be a much better way to read Moby Dick than reading it all in one go, which is what I did like over one summer. Yeah. Oh. You'll learn a lot about whaling. A lot about whales. Very excited to learn a lot about whaling. So many whales. So many Uh, ways to kill whales, from what I remember. (laughs) No, there's a lot about how you skin a whale and what you do with all its parts and stuff. That's most of what I remember from it. I learned an interesting fact that, like, if you get swallowed by a whale... um, You become Pinocchio. No! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you become Jonah and go preach to the the, the unconverted or something. Well, well, the thing is, is that whales will want to spit you out because, like, but it the thing is why they can't is like the whale mouth is so big that it won't be able to feel you in your mouth. It's like, so either you'll have to reach the end and just kind of like make that notice you. But the thing is, is that a human will not be able to be swallowed that yeah because they're... they've got a net in the back of the throat yeah and it's too small for humans to get through like yeah so you can't really be eaten by a whale oh. you'll just get thrown up isn't it weird that the biggest living animal mm. eats tiny tiny fish it is yeah why does it have to be that big <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess it's just because of, like, the the dinosaur era. Like, everything was big. Insects were big. Whales are so big. They're so big. They, like, I mean, they're huge. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think sometimes people need to have a come-to-Jesus moment about exactly how big whales are. They are so big. 
but they're really gentle like obviously not killer whales they will kill like it's in the name (laughs) but yeah but like usually I think it's blue blue whales are like really calm gentle creatures and yeah but they're also so big yes they're big Annie (laughs) (laughs) are you trying to say something about the whales are you fat shaming the whales Annie are you fat shaming whales Annie? almost they they reach a maximum confirmed length of almost a hundred feet yeah are we real I don't know have you been into the the natural history museum with the whale skeleton no but I've seen the one in New York I mean I don't remember that I've been to the natural history museum but I have Mm. been to New York where they've got the blue whale hanging from the ceiling yeah but like you know it... <sighs> whales are insane <laughs> i mean let's if we're honest like the ocean is insane like you don't even know like yeah. a giant squid like we know this is why i am whales... a land creature yeah <laughs> you know i'm a land mammal i don't go in the sea um it's really popular here in dublin to go sea swimming oh is it um yeah no especially like early in the morning when it's freezing cold and you can be like yeah no i go sea swimming for my health and (laughs) you see people wandering about at sort of 9am with like dry robes on which are like these massive towel coats that Mm. you wear after you've got out of the sea on a freezing cold morning yeah and every time i see one as i'm walking into work my brain just goes oh you think you're better than me just because you go sea swimming (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'd really like to try that. It looks really well, fun. When you visit me in Dublin and go sea mm. swimming, I will get up with you. I will I will go to the beach and I will sit and read on the beach. And you can yeah. do whatever you want in the sea, but I'm not going in. I am a <laughs> land creature, okay? There are germs in the sea and things that wriggle. I mean, yeah. There are jellyfish in the sea. Are they the singing kind? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know like... if they're around Dublin, but like theoretically, anything could be in the sea. Crabs, oh, lobsters, yeah. slimy things, seaweed. <laughs> okay. I'm going to stop. Yeah. What have you been reading, Fee? Okay. My next book is a book that I'm currently uh, reading at the moment because I have also had a bit of a reading slump. So I've been trying to get through this book. I bought quite a few books because it was my birthday. So I thought, great, this is my excuse to get all the hardback books that I want. <laughs> <laughs> so I got Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Uh, oh, yeah. let me know how it is. Yeah, I will. I, I haven't read it yet, um, but I will yeah. definitely. I'm waiting for it to come it. out in paperback. Oh yeah, I mean it's a chunky, it's a chunky book. Mm-hmm, yeah. Definitely wouldn't fit in my handbag. But the one I am reading um, is uh, Carrie Soto is back by uh, yes um, Taylor Jenkins Reid. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm really enjoying it, but I love the thing I love about um, this book is just getting into I love it when a book gets into a niche that the character has you know like a a hobby or Mm. something like that and this is all about tennis 
and I I don't know. It gives me the same as like Queen's Gambit, but with tennis mm. and less of a young protege and more like the return of the protege. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got Carrie Soto, who is um world champion tennis player, who's been out of the game for a few years. Um, you could you I'm reading other big I've just gotten through all her backstory yeah. of her becoming a great champion. So that's her relationship with her dad, who's also her coach. Mm-hmm. And um Ooh, very Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. And the players she encounters on the way. And then uh now we're at the bit where she's like her rival, uh Nikki Chan, is lev- like neck and neck with her win like her winning titles. <gasps> and so if she wins another title, she surpassed Carrie Soto. Okay. And Carrie doesn't want to let that happen. Yeah. So she's come back to kind of retain her title as world champion or like most decorated tennis player. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And Carrie is definitely one of those characters who's like very, she's very headstrong and you can see she's, when she's focused, she almost gets focused on the wrong thing. And mm. that's always about winning and being the best. And she yeah. feels like being the best means not being her best, but being better than everybody else. Mm. But I kind of like that because the book it also addresses it and how the media um, reacts to uh, a woman like that. And... Uh, yeah, I'm just really enjoying it so far. So I recommend it. Yeah, sounds good. I just feel like if there's any Taylor Jenkins read book that I might pick up after Evelyn Hugo, it probably would be Carrie Soto as well. Because whilst I'm not into tennis, I do like sports and I'm not mm. as interested in like celebrities. So I feel like if, like, like in the way of like rock stars and, and, and that kind of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like if any of them were kind of more my vibe it would probably be that one yeah i can see that yeah i can definitely see you as someone who's eh, more into sports than celebrities yeah yeah i mean she is a celebrity but it's definitely less of that than her other books it's not about Mm. being a celebrity it is just really about the game and being a, a tennis player so is this one set in the 90s? Yeah, it is. It's between... But but you get that period of her growing up, but it's mainly in the 90s. Yeah, I, that was sort of a joke because um, Daisy Jones was the 70s and Malibu Rising was the 80s. Yeah, so this is the 90s. Wait, so... I think she is Evelyn Hugo, the 60s? Mm. Yeah. It definitely had 60s in it, yeah. Yeah, so 60s, then 70s, 80s, and 90s. Will she go into the oh. 2000s next? Well, I, I'm more thinking, like, I'm very excited in 10 years because she's writing more than one book a decade. So, you know, she's eventually going to have to move into science fiction. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or is she going to start back at the beginning? That's what I so... think. I think it'll be a cycle. So she'll go back to the beginning and then don't, don't, yeah. don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
very much looking forward to um in a few years from now her first prehistory novel <laughs> okay so do you have a third book oh second 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 <laughs> yeah so the second book is another fantasy book that i've been reading which is i've been reading the mistborn trilogy by brandon Sanders. oh yes i have finished the first one uh the final empire Mm-hmm. And I am almost done with the second one. I blew through like 200 pages yesterday because I got locked out of my house. Oh no! Oh no! So I had a, I had I had like two hours to kill. So I got a lot of reading done. But yeah, I am hooked on this series. It is really good. He's an author that I've been meaning to read for a while, and I was half. Mm-hmm afraid to start because his books are all giant and i was like oh god damn it what if i like it what if i'm stuck reading these 600 pages 600 page long books uh so yeah unfortunately that did happen and now i am stuck reading these gigantic books um Mm -hmm. what can i say he just writes really good fantasy i love the magic system in this world it's very so I think he was the person that kind of came up with the idea of hard and soft magic, that there are like different types of ways that magic systems work in fantasy novels. And you have like, he has these things called like laws of magic, which I think is just his way of like um, sort of thinking about how yeah. fantasy authors write magic systems. And he defines something like Tolkien as soft magic because you don't really have any rules. Like you never really understand how or why Gandalf's powers work. They're just kind of mm. like, he does magic and it's it's kind of a thing, but it's also not really utilized that much because you don't really know how it works. Whereas in his, his books, they're very kind of like fixed. It's almost quite scientific. Like in this series, it's all around metal. So if you mm. essentially, if you burn a different kind of metal, it gives you a different sort of power. And... Mm. There's lots of different powers that you could do. It. Um, it, some make you stronger. Some make you give you the ability to hear and see better. They enhance your senses. And my favorite one is this thing where you can essentially pull and push off metal around you. And I really like that as a power just because it really adds something to fight scenes when you essentially have some character, one character who can... Uh, it just adds a level of dynamic to the fight scenes where you have a character who can just sort of like it reminds me of avatar the last airbender like earthbenders kind of yeah it's that kind of much more like grounded type of magic of it's very like very clearly comes from a specific thing and Mm. the whole concept of the first book i also find really fun because it's kind of set up like a heist um in a weird way they're trying to so the conceit of the first book is basically like you're in the sort of post-apocalyptic fantasy world like a a thousand years ago there was the prophesized hero who was going to save the world but it didn't work Mm. out and instead they have been ruled for the past a thousand years by this like lord ruler who is your evil kind of tyrant the the world is kind of dead like ash is falling Mm. from the sky constantly so plants grow but it's not very well the sky is dark everything is just pretty grim um and you there's sort of a couple different races and there's this race of like these people called the scar who essentially kept in 
servitude and who don't have access to magic. Um, and what you get is this crew of sort of Scar who do have Alamancy, which is the magic in this world, and they set about trying to overthrow the Lord Ruler, but because they're thieves, like they come from a thieving crew, they plan it like a heist. They're like, we're gonna, we're gonna, essentially they try and steal the capital. They're like, we're gonna steal the capital for the Lord Ruler and we're gonna take him off the throne. Which is just really a really nice twist to that kind of pretty standard fantasy trope of like, let's take out the evil Lord. Um, yeah. And adds mm-hmm. a really nice... A classic. Kind of, yeah. A really yeah. nice... It's so not, the, let's travel to the kingdom of the elves and use that as a base to overthrow the king. No, it's like, we're going to steal the city. And also maybe his his very, very precious medals. Uh, and then maybe we'll kill him, but we haven't actually figured out how to kill him yet. So maybe we'll do that too, hopefully. Mm. But it's a really, it's 600 odd pages, but it doesn't drag for me at least. You're just sort of propelled forward on this narrative. The main character mm. is Vin, who I got confused with Rin earlier. She yeah. is uh, Mistborn, which means that most people who have magic in the world can only burn like one type of metal. She can burn them all, and she is very powerful, and it kind of follows her sort of like joining this crew and really like learning to trust people. She grew up surrounded by thieves, like just living trying to survive she doesn't trust people and as she embarks on this insane mission to try and overthrow this incredibly powerful dark lord she also sort of learns like how to have friends which is very nice um and in the end of the day they do win and what i really like about the second book is that it is all about how the hell do we now try and make a better in that case not even a better world just a better city because they only took over one city in their grand mm. revolution. And uh it's not going super well. Uh spoiler oh, no. alert. It's uh it's gone really badly actually. Uh wow. they just they just lost the city. Um Oh no. So yeah. Oh well not quite, but they've some of Vinners left the city, so it's not going wow. very well. Well I really like that because it's very easy to sort of end your big fantasy book of like we took out the bad guy and now everything is fine. It's like, yeah, mm. but all the people that were in power before kind of still want their power Mm. and you're sort of stuck in a very kind of um that's what julius caesar is about exactly yeah if you kill the king you still have all the nobles that are very powerful and uh Uh, do not come to praise caesar but to bury him exactly look at that we come full circle we did i didn't even mean to (laughs) now i am going to do a very quick Mm -hmm. book of prize news Yes. Just because there is something that I, I suspect at least one of you, if not both of you, will find kind of cool. Okay. Um, which is that, so the Booker Prize shortlist was recently announced. It is six books, as it always is. The Booker long list is 13 books. The shortlist is six books. Um, I'm quite pleased because this year on the Booker long list was a book I've already read, O. William by Elizabeth Strout. Um, oh, yeah. I am extremely mm-hmm. pleased about this because I think that the first in the series that O. William is sort of a sequel, sort of a trilogy thing too, was shortlisted but not longlisted. Um, that's My Name is Lucy Barton and it was one of the greatest books I've read in the oh, last 10 years, certainly. Yeah. Claire Keegan's Small Things Like These that I know a lot of people love. Glory by No Violet 
Bulawayo, The Trees by Percival Everett, The Seven Moons of Marley and Veldia by Sheehan Kerenutilika. Uh, apologies, I am sure I've just butchered both of those names. And Treacle Walker by someone called Alan Garner. Now, does that name ring a bell? That sounds really familiar. Yes. Alan Garner wrote children's books when we were children. And he is best known for um, The Owl Service. Wait. Do you remember that book? That's This is awesome. No. I'm looking up this, this, this person. I am so certain that, Soph, you will have read The Owl Service. It is exactly the kind of book that you read as a kid. Oh, hang on. Yes. I Yes. Yes. This is I I am very confident that I read that book. Yeah, so he he wrote a load of um he's written a load of books for kids. Um The Weird Stone of the Bringer's Men, The Moon of Gormarth, Elidor, Redshift, Strand oh, No, I think I read I definitely read Elidor. Yeah. I don't know. I think I read the Alp service, but I definitely, definitely Elidor I definitely yeah. read. Yeah. So anyway, his latest novel for adults is called Treacle Walker. And it apparently has that same like kind of weird kind of fantasy thing that his books for kids had. And I bought it on Kindle the other day when it was on sale. And I'm very excited to read it. And I had no idea that like the owl service guy was getting into writing books for adults and apparently doing it really well because he has been shortlisted for the Booker Prize. Wow. Wow. Isn't that cool? That is yeah. really interesting. I never would And also a really good reminder for those of you of a writing persuasion that you can write whatever you want, you know? And he has just been plodding away since the 60s. I think he is the oldest first time Booker nominee that there's ever been. Um, and he's also worked on TV and film. Um Philip Pullman wrote that he was the most important British writer of fantasy since Tolkien, and in many respects better than Tolkien, because deeper and more truthful. Like, Philip, if Philip Pullman says that you are the most important British fantasy writer since Pullman, and in many ways more talented, like... That is a... Uh... Yeah, 87. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and he's the oldest writer nominated for the Booker Prize. And he got an honorary degree from the University of Warwick in 2011. Anyway, I just want, like, it's just really cool, you know? That's the kind of 80-year-old you want to grow up to be, someone that's, like, still yeah. got everything in check and is there just like, yep, I'm running Booker Prize nominated books. Yeah. But yeah, so I just wanted to give you that update on... Yeah, I was like, I am 100% sure that you will be vaguely familiar with him, at least. Yeah, I feel like my mom read those books and then gave them to, like... Yeah, like, yeah. so they came out in the 60s. Uh, but they were definitely reissued when we were kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think yeah. I read modern books, but yeah, I think that's where. Were there any, like, big shocks with the Booker Prize? Any, like, controversial nominees or anything like no, that? No, not really this year. Um, a lot of good people writing good things. Um, okay. Treacle Walker and small things like these are notable because they are very short. Mm-hmm. And this was also the youngest ever nominee of the Booker Prize and the oldest ever nominee of the Booker Prize were both nominated this year. 
So a good sign that it's never too early and it's never too late. Yeah. And yeah, I will read some of them and let you know what I think. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Booker Prize long list coming out is always my yearly reminder that I have failed to read all 13 of the Booker Prize nominees. Oh. But I had a good showing. I read more than half this year and I loved a lot of them. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, I was just going to ask, are there any on your list? I know that, Annie, you said on your book, like that Booker Prize is on your list to read. But Yeah, Twinkle of Water and Small Thi- Walker and Small Things Like These. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of uh, deep into two fantasy trilogies at the same time, so that that kind of takes me <laughs> up my immediate immediate to be read. But oh, uh, another book that I did kind of start reading on the tube between book club books was Before the Coffee Gets Cold. So that's yes, um, that might have to be paused for a little bit. But that I guess is to be it's funny you say that. Because I'm reading his third one in the series, which is Before Your Memory Fades. Mm, okay. Ooh. Which I have right here. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah, that... I get good autumn vibes from that book. Mm, I should pick up a co- my copy. I've got it. I've got it somewhere, possibly on Kindle. Yeah. Fee, what about you? Um, so, I am also reading, I picked up a book called The Mermaid's Tale by Li Wei Jing. Um, it's a translated work and it's um, I think the author is uh, she's from Taiwan mm-hmm. and so it's been translated and it is about a woman named Summer who is in her 30s jobless and is really trying to look kind of she's trying to refine her passion in ballroom dancing and so it's kind of her her journey getting in back into that and like trying to find the perfect partner to get in I think for a dance competition so it's metaphorical mermaids not real mermaids yeah uh, I think it is metaphorical. I don't think there are any mermaids in here. Um, Get into metaphorical Because it's tail. T-A-L-E. T, yeah, not I. Uh, not A-I-L. Oh, but, yeah. well, not everything can be H2O, just add water. <laughs> Sadly. Where's <laughs> Cleo when you need her? <laughs> yeah, so- sounds interesting. Let us know how it is. Oh, yeah. Oh. So I guess, yeah, we we uh, we might do another one of these <laughs> another time. Maybe, couple, you know? yeah. I doubt it will be a monthly thing because, like, no. I think it would be quite hard for us to guarantee two books a month. Yeah, I think the next one will probably be like our end of year wrap up. Yeah, like mm-hmm. our wrap up party. You know what I was do. thinking we should do? We should go listen to the episode where we said our New Year's book resolutions. Oh, yeah. gosh. oh my gosh. I forgot we did we make some? Yeah, we made some. Actually, I think this probably crushing mine. If mine was just to read more, I think I'm doing good. Yeah. I don't know if I set myself a more ambitious some goal. Us were over ambitious <laughs> bastards, but I'm sure you're doing great. Okay. Yeah. So I guess the only thing left for my is our book club book of the month, which is 
I want to say the Witch's Lighthouse, but it's probably not called that. Lighthouse Witches. Lighthouse. The Lighthouse Witches. I was so close. Mm. Uh, You are so close. In fact, uh, it took me a second. I was like, I know that's wrong, but it sounds so right. Yes. (laughs) So our book club book for autumn, for autumn, for October. October. Is The Lighthouse Witches by C.J. Cook, which is a thriller about um missing children uh Mm. at a creepy lighthouse on a scottish island it's more than that but if we're being brief creepy creepy october vibes creepy october vibes so we hope you have a good week uh and that you enjoyed the episode and we will see you oh oh yeah, and we're and we're reading up to page I think two hundred and six is the yeah, page. Yeah, sounds about right. To. Yeah, it's on the, it's on our Instagram uh, at the Lazy Sunday Book Pod. Um, <laughs> you'll, you'll, there's a post. You'll see it uh, yeah. if you also want to read follow along us, us on Instagram and talk to us at the London the London Sunday. <laughs> Someone else do it at the Lazy Sunday Book Pod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. that is everything. Is Thanks for happening? listening. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you next Bye. time. Bye. Bye.